Today's sermon is actually going to be a video from uh, one of our pastors from the Dominican Republic. His name is Juan Santos, and it was at a convention in Orlando back in July of this year. Um, so I just want to kind of give you a heads up before we actually get into it. So the scripture I'm going to be reading is going to be um, in preparation for the video. So if you want to, you can read with me. The passage is going to be Luke chapter 6, verses 26 through 35. Um, the Pew Bible is going to be page um, 1116 through 1117. Um, you can always use your phone, which I do, or if you have a hard copy, which I do too as well, you can use that. This is the NIV version, and it records, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you were looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one who he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give us, that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. This is God's word. I was born in the Dominican Republic, but not in Santo Domingo. I was born in the northern part of the island. But my parents moved in Santo Domingo when I was like 18 or something like that. Ever since I've been in Santo Domingo. On July 18, uh, in the evening, 1983, I got to a place where they said there is a a group of missionaries working on the street and I said, well, if they are there, I want to go because I want to learn English. And when I went, I found out there was a Church of God team coming to start the Church of God in the Dominican Republic and there where I met uh, Tim Fax. He was very kind and friendly and he said, well, we have tonight uh, a meeting and would you like to come? I said, of course, I will. And he gave me his Bible. He didn't know me. I got to the first meeting in a tent. I heard to what I said, and I went back home about midnight, and I was walking on the street. That's when I stopped, started talking with God, and I, I go like, I like the Christian life. I like the way they are. And I said, why am I not a Christian? So I prayed, I said, Lord, I give you my heart. I want you to become my father. I will be your son forever. And that's uh, about 30 years ago and uh, still here, loving my journey with the Lord. Oh, 
pastor invited me to speak one night in Bible studies. He said, would you like to share the words? Of course I can. And then uh, he just continued to give me more opportunity to develop my skills. And they said, would you like to go to the seminar in Argentina for Bible training? I said, okay, let's do that. That's where I met my wife, Miriam. And so we got married in Argentina, come back to the DR in 1992. And we stayed with the mother church. And um, then they said, you know, we have an idea. We want to plant a new church in Los Palmares. So we started the church in our house, in a small group. The church started to grow, so we split the group in another group and then another group. So we said, why don't we get a piece of land and build a church? And Rat Stafford asked me a question. What are you doing? What do you need? And I said, we want to buy a piece of land to start building a church. And say, okay, we can help. So Fairfax Community Church helped us to, with the first portion of money for the building. And 20 years has already went by. a very unique church. Most of our membership is youth. If they will describe our church, they will say this church is, is a servant church. We know we are called to be an influence to the community, so we do help the community by different options. Uh, we paint houses, we fix houses, we build houses. If they have electricity problems, we go and fix it. We went to very poor communities where they have no water and help them to fix some things like that. We work with schools, public schools. We go and share the gospel by uh, doing dancing and choreography and uh, singing and things like that, and they like that. So they open up the school for us to go. So we are very much involved in the community in different ways to tell the people here we are, and this is the gospel. Uh, you don't need to come in our building to understand what the gospel is. If I read in the Bible when Jesus was walking on the street and the neighborhoods and the villages, he just loved everyone. And uh, I learned that Discipling people is not giving them a textbook and asking questions. Discipling people is spending time with them, loving them. And I met people that they showed the same love to me. So I think I have to just give it back. Good morning, good morning, how are you guys? Hey, thank you for having me here. This is a great moment for my life. I'm able to speak to this special church. I say special because uh, before I was a Christian, I said I don't want to be a Christian because 
they are kind of weird, you know, I don't really understand the way they are. But what, then, my, then when I met the Church of God, I said, this is what I was looking for. You know, I said, this is this, the type of things that I wanted. I feel very comfortable, like, this is the way I should express my, my faith. So thank you for letting me part, be part of this great church. Thank you for inviting me to this uh, convention. And uh, I bring greetings from the Dominican Republic, from the Church of God in the country. And uh, I want to play a little, uh, short video about life, what is life about. There is life everywhere. So if the guys are ready to play this short video about life, go ahead. Yes, there is life everywhere. Um, in fact, I'm here with my wife, Miriam, and I want she to stand and wave. If you look around, you will see life everywhere. If you get a microscope and you put it just on your seat or on the floor, you will see life everywhere. When God first created the world, uh, He was saying, "Just let it be life, let it let it be tree, and just happened." If we read in, in Genesis chapter chapter two, it says, chapter two verse seven, it says, "Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breath breathed into his nostrils the breath." of life and the man became a living being so before God decided to breathe in our lives we're, we were just dirt we didn't have any life but now the life of God is in us and I am thinking about is there life in our house? Is there life in our office? Is there life in our marriage? Is there life in our conversation? When we talk, is there life there? Our conversation are full of life? Our conversation is something that will bring people to life or our conversation are something that will kill people. We as preachers, when we preach, do we produce life or we produce death? These days, you watch TV and they're speaking about how many people were killed today. You go on Facebook, you find crazy fighting things, but we 
We are to bring life everywhere we go. So the beginning was life, and then we found death. If we read Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1, it says that Ezekiel came to a valley full of dry bones. And it goes, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out of the spirit of the Lord and set me in, a, in the middle of, the, of a valley, and it was full of bones. He held me back and forth me among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bonds and say to them, Dry bonds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to, the, to this bond. I will make breath, breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and I will and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise. And then it keeps saying how much the uh, the prophet spoke to the bonds, and then every bond starts to come on and, and, and join to, to another bonds, and then a skeleton was there, like, and then skin come and tenderness and, and muscles. But at the end, it says, But there was no life, there was no spirit. How is this possible that uh, at the beginning? God breathed life in our in our lives and then there is a dry bones here. Well the most important thing is that at the end of this story it says that these, these dry bones are the people of Israel. It's you, it's me, it's the church of God. So if we if we look back like uh, 1880s when Church of God started full of life, holiness great vision for the future we have got to go to many nations in the world life everywhere but it seems like we got to a point where life stopped and something weird just happened the people of Israel and God says then you my people will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them I will put spirit my spirit in you and you will live he's not asking you if you want him to put his spirit in you he is telling you that he will 
put his spirit in you and you will live. He's not asking, can you live? Do you want to live? He's just saying, I will bring my spirit in you and you will live. So how can you refuse having life in your life? When, when the prophet Ezekiel was prophesying, he just said, Spirit, come. Come. Because there was not life, there was not spirit in them, just skeletons. And we have skeletons in our churches today. We have people there just sitting, watching what I say, if I'm wrong, if I'm right. If, if you like this song, I don't like this one. Well, I have to play contemporary music because I have these people, they won't like that type old music. So I have to pay, uh, pray, uh, uh, sing all, all hymns because this, you know, it's kind of crazy here. And we are wasting our time trying to figure out what type of music has to do with worship. But we are not concentrating about life. Music is not the subject. Music is just something in there. When, when, when the prophet was prophesying, he didn't say, well, can you play how great thou art? No, he didn't say that. He said, could you please come here? And I will speak life unto you. So, today is a great moment to remember that this is about life. It's not about culture. It's not about music. It's not about even, it's not about the sermon on Sundays. You know, when you first come to this world, at the beginning, when God created you, there was not a speaker over there. There was not a preacher over there. There was not a Bible over there. But there was life. So, so when did we switch from life to things? But it's so sad that this scripture says that these dry bones are the house of Israel. This is my very people because they say we have no hope. We have no hope. How come? If we are the people of God, we are full of hope. But then, when we lose our focus, from the word of God, from the life of God, that's when we lose our life. And then we become dry bones and we start criticizing and, and speaking things that are not really interesting in this kingdom of God. And we are to remember that we have to live a driven, uh, purpose life. We are not just here to spend time on this earth. We have to have a purpose how we live this life. We, we are not only to have life, but we are to have so much life that even after we are dead, 
we have an extra an extra charge of life for someone else who might need it and let me read to you uh, 2 Kings chapter 13 verse 20 to 21 Elijah died Elijah the prophet you remember the prophet Elijah he uh, Elijah died and was buried now Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring once while some Israelites were burying a man suddenly they saw a band of raiders so they drew the man's body into Elijah's tomb when the body touched Elijah's bones the man came to life and stood up on his feet come on this is something so amazing I just call like wow he was dead long time ago can you compare these two stories here dry bones bones that are still alive even when he's he was dead how much life are we carrying in our lives how much life do we have how much life do we have extra life for someone else that look is looking for life in our lives do we have extra life that will help others to understand the kingdom of God or we are just surviving one more day and this is it Wow after I'm dead I would like for someone else to <laughs> be resurrected if they touch my bones. Whew. If, see, if this is when he was dead, can you imagine when he was still alive? Wow. Hmm. So life is not an option. Life is mandatory. If you're reading uh, Revelation chapter 3 verse 1 to 6, it says... Uh, to the angel of the church in Sardis, right? These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have reputation of being alive, but you are dead. You have reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what it remains, and it's about to die. For I have found your deed and finished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, hold it fast and repent. But if you don't wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. Uh, you can say, well, I don't really believe in holiness. Well, I don't really believe in gift of tongues. I don't really believe in prophecy. But this is not about what you believe. This is a real life. You have reputation that you are alive, but you are dead. How many people in our churches, how many people in our communities, how many people in our neighborhoods, they have reputation that they are alive, but they are dead. How many people are there in our 
uh, Sunday services, that they are just there to have fun. But they are not there because they want to bring life to the congregation. This is a time where people, they want to pretend that they are alive, but they're dead. If they have money, they are fine. If they have a car, then they want a new car. If they have a house, then they want a bigger house. So all of these things will confuse them, like they will think they are alive because they have all of these things. But at the end, when you shut down the lights, when you go to sleep, is there life? Will you continue to breathe the Holy Spirit in you? If you don't repent, it says, I will come to you like a thief when you don't know when it's a time for me to come. If you don't repent. So if you don't make a decision about living a right life, then life will be too short for you and you don't even know when God is coming back and he will say, I told you to live a life full of life. So why we have no life if we are supposed to have life? Well, because we are looking at something else. Jesus said in John uh, 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We all know that. We are the, I am the life. But we are looking at something else. We are looking like toward many other things. In fact, I don't know about you or about this nation, but in my nation and in my church, we are struggling with social media. We wake up. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we used to wake up and pick up the Bible and read. Now we grab our phone or tablet or iPad or whatever and we go to our social media. Is that true here? I don't know about you here, but this is what is happening in some other countries. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe this is telling us that we are losing focus. Because if God, if God is not number one in our beginning of our day, then it might be like something is not right up there. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, some people will come up and they will go first check what Donald Trump says on his Twitter account before they check what Jesus said in his Bible. Am I right? And this might sound funny, but this is something very dangerous. The Bible is what feeds us. The Bible is the word of God himself. So the people of God, it says in Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13, my people have committed two things, two sins. They have forsaken me, 
the spring of living water and have dug their own cistern, broken cistern that cannot hold water. We had life at the beginning, but then we started digging our own cisterns. Our own cisterns, like our own business, our own families, our own stuff. So we, we think we can manage our marriage just on our own. We can, we can run our office, we can run our company on our own. In fact, this is something very funny, but some pastors, we believe that we can run our church on our own. So this is not the church of God anymore, this is my church. So I have my own schedule, I have my own time, I have my own ideas, and this is the way the church should like. This is it, and this is it, and uh, I'm sorry about you, Jesus, you are not allowed to intervene in our ministry. Haha. <laughs> and God says here, my people have committed two sins. One, they have forsaken me. They have, they have forgiven about, forget about me, and they have started digging their own cisterns. How much, how much life is there in your businesses? How much life is there in your plan for the future? How much of God is there in your children? How much of God? How much life? Is there in your plans for the future? When you travel, before you travel, you, do you sit down? Do you pray and ask, God, do you want me to go on this trip? Do you want me to buy this? Do you want me to, to go and visit that person over there? Do you want me to stay here? How much of God are there in our decisions? How much life are there in our decisions? Jesus appointed 12 disciples. In, uh, in Mark uh, chapter 3, verse 15, 13 to 15, it says that Jesus went up to the mountains and called to him those he wanted to be with him and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that they, he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. So, when Jesus appointed his disciples and you are one of his, are you? When he appointed you, the first things he wanted for you is to be with him. I want to say that again. When he called you to be with him, he, the first thing he intended for you was for you to be with him. But we are so fast in our way of thinking. Uh, God called me to the ministry and I go and do ministry, but I don't do... God connection. I spend hours reading books. I spend hours uh, getting ready for my sermon next week. I spend hours planning for the church. 
but I don't spend hours spending time with him who is the life. So he didn't want his disciples first to be preaching and healing and, and, and driving out demons. He want them to be with him first. But he have, we have no time to be with him. We wanted to be doing many other things but not with him. And if we are not with him, we are dead. Because he is life. If you, if you spend time with life, then you will become life. If you spend time with people, you will become very much like that people. Sometimes they say to our children, you look very much like your father, you look very much like your mother. You, you speak like her, you speak like him, you walk like him. And thus very natural. So how much are we like Jesus because we spend time with him? And I've seen some churches doing crazy things that they think is God's. But they are just doing their own things. And there is no life there. The Bible speaks about eternal life. Where does it start? Eternal life starts here, starting in heaven. Well, if we read the Bible, we understand that eternal life starts here and now. So we are not to wait to the end of our life to start living our lives. We have to start now. How can we live that life? How can we do that? How can we express our life? How can you notice when your child is sick or is healed? If you have a, how many people here have children? Let me see your hand, how many? Okay, when your child, when your daughter, when your son is sick, how do you notice that? Well, he would go like, mm, are you okay? Yes, I am okay. Let's eat. Mm, I don't want to eat right now. Let's go for a walk. Uh, I would want to stay here. You know. Then how do you know when your son or your daughter is okay, is healthy? When do you know that? You don't have to tell him or her, let's go. They wait for you at the door. <laughs> let's go, let's go. You don't have to tell them, let's eat. They are just sitting and eat. You don't have to tell them, let's run. They are just running because they have life. They are healthy. So we, Church of God, how the world will notice that we have life? Do you think it's kind of complicated to figure this out? It's not. They will notice that we are alive or we are dead because they can see us, how we act. We in church, as just church members, do your pastor knows if you are alive or if you are dead? Yes, he knows. When you are healthy, when you have life, they, they don't have to tell you what to do. You go and say, Pastor, can I do this? Pastor, can I, can I paint a building? Pastor, can I, can I help here? Pastor, can I go to the hospital and visit someone? Or you did not even ask. You go and then you report. Because you are healthy. You, are, you have life. And, and life cannot be content. 
life just calls out. It's like electricity. If you have a, a big cable with electricity, uh, there's no way you can just hold that. Like, it, it's something will have to happen, you know? So, we are full of life. So, so something has to happen. And we have to take this life wherever we go. So, basically, if we are to live a purpose-driven life, Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, you know, but the end of this story says, I have, I have come that you may have life, and ha life to the full. How much of this life do we have? Are we living this life or we are just living here? Um, how can we practically take life wherever we go? Let me give you this example. Uh, there was a guy visiting in the Dominican Republic, so he came to stay in our house for maybe for a week or something. And uh, we spent time with him, listening to his stories. And he was telling us that he was sick. He got, um, uh, ¿cómo se llama eso, cariño? Lo que tenía más? Epilepsia. And he said he was like playing with his friends and all of a sudden he fell on the floor and shake and so over. And then he was telling us the story and we asked him, how, when did this start? So he went through a very tough time in his life. His parents got divorced and all of these crazy things caused him to got this. That's the story he told us. So we were eating at the table and I asked him, can we pray for you? And he said, yes. So we let him first ask forgiveness for all the things he had done in the past and how he felt toward the, his parents. And then we pray for healing and we just kept eating, you know, um, like two weeks ago, he texted me and he said, Pastor Juan, I have a good news for you. After I don't know how many months, I have not taken my medicine and the doctor find out I have nothing to be worried about. I am totally healed. So this just happened on the table as we ate. We have a radio ministry. We do radio every night from Monday to Friday at 10 o'clock every night. Live show. And one day, this young lady uh, sent me a message. She said, Pastor Juan, I am such and such, and I want to let you know that I am so thankful for your radio show because one night I was so des desperate. I didn't want to continue to, to live. I wanted to take my life. And I got to my mother's house, and she was listening to a radio show. I didn't know what it, what, what, what it was. And she said, and I asked her, what are you listening to? And she said, ah, oh, this is a radio show. Come sit with me and just listen to it. And she's sat and heard to a radio show and she said at the end of this show I changed my mind now I want to continue to live and I came back to my church and I rededicate my life to the Lord and I understand that my future is a great future So this is the way we carry life. This is the way we take life. Spending time with people, listening to them. How about if we all 
here, go out and take life wherever you are. I want to call Josh to sing the last song for us. And I want to pray for you guys as we finish here. And uh, as he sings and, and pray for us, if you wanted to come here to the front and pray, like you will say, God, I need life in my life. I need to renew my life. And I want to call uh, Jim Lyon to come up here. And together we want to prophesy life over you. We want to speak life over the church of God in the United States and around the nations, around the world. This is a great time for life. So I want you to stand up and as they sing, if you can just come and, and pray, you can do it on your own here, wherever you are. You can ask someone else, could you pray, pray for me for life? Lord, we thank you for this life that you are in us. We are not looking out of ourselves to go for life because you are life and you live in us, Lord. Thank you. And we want to pray today. I want to speak life over your people. I want to speak life over the, the, this nation and every nation that is represented here in this convention. Lord, I speak as the prophet Ezekiel spoke to the dry bones. I speak life and I speak and I say, wake up, wake up and start walking in the life of Christ. Speak life to others and go to your neighborhoods and go to your family go to your office go to your company and speak life and show the life of Christ there is in you in Jesus name be healed be restored be alive walk be full of life no more death you said, I have no hope, but you are full of hope. You have hope. You have a great future. So I speak hope and I speak faith in your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. If you want, if you want to know a little bit more of our ministry, we have some brochures out there and I have my book even still in Spanish and so forth. So anyway, just let's continue to be in touch. And thank you for having me. Thank you, John. Whoa, 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 thank whoa, whoa, you, James. Whoa, whoa. <laughs>